0: everybody it's me henry from zero credits flying solo for the first time in a very 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 long time uh everyone welcome to not an episode of zero credits but our first less than zero wow that's not even words our first less than zero and over a year Uh, For those of you who are not familiar with less than zeros, because if you started listening uh, recently or you skipped those for some reason, uh, a less than zero is when John and I cannot be together to do an episode of zero credits. Uh, So since together both John and I create zero credits, when there's not both of us here, we're less than zero credits or just less than zero And that's the origin of the name. Uh, This week I've got some things to talk about. Uh, One, we're going to talk about how weird it is to do a podcast by yourself when you're not a journalist for NPR. Uh, Two, we're going to talk about, I don't know, some billboard I saw on the uh, way to work today. Uh, Three, we're going to discuss... What it's like living in the time of the coronavirus. Uh, Four, to the left of me, I have the results for Super Tuesday up. And uh, I'm going to be monitoring and checking that periodically throughout the recording uh, to just report on what's happening. We're not going to get to all the states during this recording. It's about 7 p.m. on Super Tuesday when I'm recording this. Uh, What I'm most interested in is seeing how Texas goes, since that's where we live, and I just want to see if my vote did anything. And five, if there's time, and uh, you might want to pray that there's not, I'm going to take a few quizzes on BuzzFeed live on air, uh, and we'll just see what happens there. Now, uh, (laughs) if we don't get to five, I think that's fine, because that's like, bottom of the barrel of what I have planned today. Uh, But first, as always, this episode is going to be brought to us today by Shiner. I've got a variety three-pack here. Uh, There were three others, but they've been drunken. Uh, So we've got a variety three-pack here from Shiner. They're a brewer here in Texas. Uh, Kind of, you know, standard fare for Texas. It's either a Ziegenbach, Lone Star... Or Shiner wherever you go, and uh, I've just got a bunch of different flavors here. I'm holding a wicked juicy IPA from Spot Cell Brewery Shiner Texas, and there's a zip code included. I don't know why. Uh, every drop of Shiner Shiner is brewed in Shiner <laughs> Shiner Texas. Now that's just that's just great. And uh, why don't we just pop into this bad boy right now. Here's the hammer. Got it on the first try. Let's give a sip. That is indeed an IPA. Uh, The hoppy aftertaste is definitely there. But it actually has a a kind of a, um, like it says, uh, a fruity front taste. I guess juicy. A juicy front taste followed by kind of a subtle IPA aftertaste. Uh, Hmm. That's actually not that bad, and I don't really like IPAs. I don't know what to think of that. It's going to be really obvious when I'm taking a sip of this beer, because normally how you do this on a podcast with two people is that you drink when the other one is talking. And uh, that does two things. One, it shuts your mouth up. So that the other person can talk, and two, you're listening because all you can do is listen because your mouth is busy absorbing those sweet, sweet alcohol nutrients of the beer that you're drinking. That's a fun little, uh, a fun little tip, I guess, out there if you are wanting to take the uh, leap to start your own podcast. Which why would you? Because we're the only podcast that exists. Um, but. Uh, If you're okay with drinking and you're okay with uh, doing a podcast, drink while whoever you're talking to is talking because you're going to listen and you're not going to interrupt them because you'll be drinking. I'll cut all these sips out later, maybe. I don't know. We'll see how the flow of the conversation goes. But that kind of leads us into number one, our first topic. Uh, What's it like to do a podcast by yourself when you're not a journalist for NPR? And I bring that last up part. I bring that last part up because uh, I listened to S-Town last year without ever having listened to Serial or whatever else. I don't know the lore behind NPR and their podcast or their journalist. I don't even remember the guy who did S-Town. Uh, but it, it's just very interesting going into the uh, the mindset of you're going to be talking into a microphone by yourself for a length of time with barely any plan. And no research thing to back you up. Because that's what I... That's the whole thing. That's this whole week. That's that's what I've been facing since uh, we we announced live on air. That John wasn't going to be here. Um, oh, quick uh, John butt but date, by the way. That's butt update. Uh, he did uh, send me a message upon... Uh, landing in Chicago that's not where he went upon (laughs) upon landing in Colorado he sent me a message saying just simply without context they touched my butt and so I guess uh sorry John's butt for being touched by the TSA it seems like he hasn't found the correct combination of shoes pants waist height to avoid that it's weird. That's a weird tall person problem that I never knew existed, and that, eh, yeah, it's unfortunate. Anyway, um, so yeah, I've been kind of freaking out about doing a podcast by myself for the first time in over a year. Uh, I think the last time we did less than zeros is when I first moved to Austin, and uh, we couldn't sync up exactly how to do the podcast over Skype or John's schedule wasn't it didn't allow. Um, and so we did a a couple of less than zeros back to back as we, uh, as I got established here in Austin and our our schedules lined up better. And and so that's why I kind of had this little numbered plan to to follow throughout the episode, just to give myself focus more so than anything else. I don't just want this to be like a, a rambly time where I just keep talking kind of like I'm doing now I want to be able to to topic to topic with some sort of plan and you guys can follow along kind of like giving a speech if you ever went to a speech class in high school or college you want to leave a, a trail of breadcrumbs so that your audience can follow you from point to point and they're like yeah now is the time where he's going to talk about the billboard he told me that at the top and I'm following along <sighs> whatever i what Oh, speech classes. Am I right, folks? (laughs) Uh, If you if you notice that I trail off, I'm looking at the uh, the primary results call crawl in and I saw something I didn't like. Uh, One percent of Texas is reporting right now at at 714 p.m. And uh, the the little Google thing says Joe Biden leads 228 delegates available and uh, that makes me not happy. It uh, looks like f- right now with 1% reporting, which this is, I don't understand how this works. 1% of all of the precincts are reporting, but 26.2% went to Biden, 25.5% went to Bernie Sanders, 21.5% went to Michael Bloomberg, and 11.8% went to Elizabeth Warren and And then everybody else on the list has already dropped out. So that's unfortunate. But, uh, yeah, so I don't get, so that's 26% of the votes from 1% of the, uh, that doesn't make any sense. That's a lot. Anyway, apparently Joe Biden won Alabama already. Looks like Joe Biden leads in Massachusetts. Uh, We already know... Oh, Joe Biden apparently won North Carolina. He leads in Oklahoma. Michael Bloomberg leads in Tennessee. And uh, Bernie Sanders won Vermont. And Joe Biden won Virginia. So this seems... like results that are coming in right now. I can't comment on them. Whatever. Oh. So I was driving to work... Uh, from lunch. I come home during my lunch period. To give me a break from work. Because work I don't like. And uh, I spot this billboard. And I'm going to have to describe it to you right now. And uh, This is where you go. Oh he did say he was going to talk about a billboard. Here's the time. He told me at the top. And yeah. So that. Uh, so this billboard. Imagine if you will. This uh, picturesque scene. Looks basically like a photograph. And uh, just just there is a woman in a wedding dress sitting down uh, with what looks like a milkshake or some type of drink in her hand. And outstretched from our point of view is a tuxedo sleeved arm holding out a fry to her. And, uh, there's a dog to the left of the lady in the background for some reason. I don't know why. I, I've noticed that detail, but it's there. And, uh, to the right, the bottom right of this billboard, like that's, that's 80% of the billboard is this woman in a wedding dress drinking a milkshake or a soda and a tuxedoed hand outstretched offering her a fry. And in the very bottom right, almost obscured by some trees. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, it says, finally some time for us. And even further in the bottom right, almost too small to see, there's a Sonic logo. Like the restaurant with the people on the roller skates. Sonic. And uh, that, that's the whole billboard is, is the thing. That's the entire billboard. Um... But, why, like, in the narrative of this billboard, it is somebody's wedding day. And you always hear, like, oh, we didn't even have time to eat the food that we paid so much money for. We didn't even have time. We had to talk to all the guests and do all the dances and cut the cake. Didn't have time to eat the food. I'm starving here. It's my own wedding. What am I going to do? And Sonic comes in, and they're like, well, we have a restaurant where we serve food. But the thing about Sonic, the restaurant, is usually you stay in your car. You pull up in your car, you hit the little red button, you order in your car, and then they bring the food to your car. But in their billboard, a woman in a wedding dress is sitting on one of their, their unwashed metal benches outside with a dog behind her to the left. And she is sitting in her wedding dress drinking a milkshake, which is sticky, and possibly could, like, I don't know, somehow spill onto the dress. I didn't look well enough to see if there was a lid on the cup. That would make a difference. And, and the tuxedo man, the, the, the would-be br- uh, groom, the would-be groom, bridegroom of this whole fiasco is is stretching out a fry to his wife in her wedding dress. Luckily, it's not covered in ketchup, which, you know, would be a whole other story. But her hands are full of the milkshake. Like, she has both hands on the milkshake. She looks happy holding this milkshake. And he's offering a fry. What is she, She's going to take one hand off the milkshake to take the fry. Reach out, because he's a million miles away. Due to the perspective of the, the photographer, the, the photograph. She's going to spill her milkshake on the dress. And then she's going to stand up and realize that the metal bench has left, like a mark on her dress. This is a disaster. And my question is, why did they get out of their car? And, and here's the thing. So when people drive away from their wedding, usually the car is decorated all nice and funny with all these, you know, just got married messages. We all, oh, we just got married. Um, but you, you still usually drive away in a car. At least in the weddings that I have been to. And so you have a car. It's not like you're in a limo. And the li- you're like, oh, we just need some time to ourselves, Mr. Limo Driver. Do you mind if we get out of the Sonic? It's not that. You have your own car. But you chose instead to get out of the car, sit on the metal bench in your wedding dress, and eat fast food in your wedding dress in your tuxedo before even getting to the hotel. It does – is Sonic that good of food that you are willing to risk the restaurant – you're willing to risk your wedding dress and your tuxedo? But that's not – that doesn't seem to be what the ad is saying. The ad is saying like, oh, we got away from the wedding. We got away from all the guests. We're starving because it's our wedding and we didn't even get a chance to eat our food. And so now we're going to eat whatever is around. It doesn't matter. Sonic is the only option. And we're not going to stay in the car, because God knows we're not tired of standing and dancing all night, or day, as the picture suggests. So we're going to get out, order at one of the weird walk-up signs, and sit on a weird metal bench in our wedding clothes. It doesn't seem very thought out. Is the thing. And I, this is... I mean, maybe, maybe I have a different perspective as a person who has been through a wedding. And it was dealt with all of, like, the, the fineries of, of clothes and, and the expensive stuff. But we made it as a part of our wedding that there was a time where we were just gonna eat. And uh, we had a secret food time uh, when we first got to the reception... They had prepared a plate of those, the pass around hors d'oeuvres. And we we nibbled on those hors d'oeuvres while everyone else was mingling. And we were just sort of soaking in the bliss of of food. And the fact that we were, we were married and it was over and done with. And then when the dinner came, we had our own separate table. And we sat down at that table and everyone was told to leave us alone. And of course people came over and talked to us because like, they're just going to do that because people don't listen and follow instructions or whatever. But the point is, I ate most of that plate. So I ate the food. I ate the food at my wedding. Like, that's the thing. We paid a lot of money for that food. I'm not stopping at no Sonic at at, at the end of the day to eat in my wedding tux. Uh, whatever they call their Whopper. Whatever they call their burger. The, the Route 66 burger chunker I I don't know what that I Sonic man I I guess the message from Sonic is like hey it'll do it'll do you in a pinch there's nowhere else to eat after your wedding gotta go to Sonic only place open I I don't know I think it's a dumb billboard that that's kind of my point that's the point I'm making I think it could have been made better. How? Okay. Uh, not wedding dress and tuxedo. Like I get that those clothes automatically tell a story and so uh, you can tell you can get away with less words on your billboard because you already got like part of a story going on, you've got like this the situation kinda nailed up. But just looking at the the, the tagline, finally some us time. Here's what you do. Uh Okay, I got it. I, this, is, this is it. This is it. So the picture happens. Uh, they're sitting in a car. It, it's still like a husband and a wife or, or you know, a spousal unit. I don't care. Uh, sitting in the car. They're both in the front seat. Uh, the picture is taken from behind. Okay? So from the back seat, the picture is taken... Hey, she can still have a milkshake. She's not in a wedding dress. You can still be passing her a fry. That's fine. Uh, the picture is taken from like a low angle bottom, uh, low angle back seat of the car. And in the rear view of the car, you see like a baby asleep. And then you got the finally some us time baby asleep in the back seat of the car. And the bottom right hand corner, there's a Sonic, uh, the Sonic logo. And uh, so what this does is this tells a story without telling a story, you know. The baby couldn't fall asleep at home. They hopped in the car, drove the baby around. Baby finally passed out. They happened to find a Sonic. And now they're eating food while the baby is asleep. Finally, some us time. I think that's how that should be written. But that's just me. I don't know. I'm not a copywriter. I didn't take marketing. Uh, You weigh in. Send in your pitches for uh, your own Sonic billboard. We'll have a contest. Design a Sonic billboard. And we'll all just spam Sonic with our billboard designs. And demand like $60 billion for saving their, their restaurant. Yeah. I mean, I just... I <laughs> Like so many other things that I consume, I feel like it could have been done better. And maybe somebody had that exact pitch and they were struck down. because like, oh, we don't want to... We don't want babies at a restaurant. We only want newlywed couples. Sonic has the highest demographic of of newlywed couples, and we really need to push that message forward in 2020. And so, Sonic is going to be the official destination of David's Bridal Shop, shoppers. Sonic and David's Bridal. This is the partnership. This is the forward integration, the upward synergies. That we need. A lot of dumb decisions get made for a lot of dumb reasons in offices. And that's just the way it is. Oh, here's an update on the, uh, the Democratic uh, primary election. Super Tuesday. Coming in from Texas at 7.27 p.m. Bernie Sanders is now leading Texas. Somehow. Still 1% reporting, uh, but all of the numbers are different now. Now it's Bernie Sanders, 27.3%. Elizabeth Warren, 24.2%. Joe Biden, 18.9%. And Michael Bloomberg, 15.4%. Those numbers changed a lot during my Billboard segment. Those numbers changed way too much. This is still with only 1% reporting. So I think literally anything can fucking happen. 1% of Texas? That's, that's, that's like, that's, I, that's too small. <laughs> um, looking quickly at the other Super Tuesday states, um, looks like, Bernie Sanders is now leading in Maine. Um, And it looks like the rest is the same. There's a weird thing where the Southern... Some of the other Southern states are like... Joe Biden won outright with 1% reporting. What does that mean? 1% reporting, but you already have the decision... That they won. So much about these delegations, they're not that's not what they're called. So much about these primary votes elections seem like they're just like a, a crackpot, like they're just a wash. They're a crapshoot. It's just like some psycho wizardry happens and somehow we determine who gets delegates. I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense. And if you're you're worried that I'm not gonna be um Uh, I'm going to... Here's here's, uh, the results for the Republican side. Uh, Alabama, Donald Trump won. Maine, Donald Trump won. Massachusetts, Donald Trump won. North Carolina... Okay, so I think you know where this is going. Uh, If you're wondering why I'm not reporting on the Republican side, it's not out of any bias. It's just because we kind of already know how that's going to go. No one's running against them. He's an incumbent president. I don't... When the general election happens, yes, it'll be worth covering. But right now, uh, the main action is happening on the Democratic side because we don't know who's going to be the Democratic candidate, and that's a big deal. Don't know why my voice did that. All right, so another thing about doing a podcast by yourself. uh, You're going to find yourself talking for a way longer time than you are used to. And uh, I keep saying you. I am doing a lot of talking, and I am finding I am talking a lot, and my voice is getting uh, kind of tired. Luckily, I've got this wicked juicy IPA from Shiner to keep me going. That sounds like an ad read, and uh it's not. I'm just making an excuse to remind myself to drink beer. It's like trying to stay hydrated, but really I'm just trying to keep uh, my mouth wet. <laughs> <laughs> trying to keep my throat refreshed so that my voice doesn't come out all weird and grainy like it does all the time. Wow. Um so taking stock. Uh the third thing I wanted to talk about, I'm gonna refer to the list I put on my phone. Uh oh yes, of course. Um, right. N- none of these things are connected and there it would be a disservice to try to connect them. Uh, I feel really good about that billboard segment, but it has nothing to do with what I'm going to talk about next. Those of you who joined me at the beginning of the episode know that I, I have a numbered list. And we're at number three. What's it like living in the time of the coronavirus? Uh, or COVID-19, whatever you want to call it, because that that's a whole thing. The coronavirus makes me feel uh, uneasy. Because we haven't had a widespread viral infection that has spread this quickly in quite some time. Uh, We are seeing larger and larger numbers of people reported infected every day across the world. And, I mean, the virus itself is sort of... It's not huge per se like it's this isn't like bubonic plague this isn't like SARS or the other one uh the the fatality rate is relatively low which is good but the pervasiveness of the virus is startling like uh, the studies have been done it's it's spreading in the same way that viral content spreads like with that type of speed and popularity and weird widespread reach and a a lot of people think it's just coming from China when in fact like Italy is kind of inundated as well a number of people across Europe a number of countries across Europe are, are not equally affected but they're getting there and uh, China actually has kind of the thing on lock, if we we if we can believe their numbers, they're actually reporting less new cases or less just cases in general when compared to Italy and the rest of the world. Uh, that again, if we can trust their numbers, and and now I mean, we read we've been reading coronavirus like months ago, first kind of sprouted up. There, there. We we had this whole a whole segment on it a couple of weeks ago, and uh, our good friend of the podcast uh, Eric uh, talked to us about sort of the ver- some just basic vi- virology, study of viruses, whatever that is. She'll correct me, and um, we asked her you know some questions, but it wasn't her virus, so she, you know she she didn't have uh, like. The information, and in fact, like nobody really has the information. We know what symptoms it produces, which is like kind of like a flu like symb- symptoms and the rarest of cases and just a general kind of respiratory challenges. And like that's kind of like the mildest and most common symptoms. Uh, we know some people, some countries have the ability to test for it. Uh, we know that in South Korea, if you exhibit those symptoms, you get the test for free. And in America, the test for some reason costs $3,000 per pot. And we know that so far it has about a 2% fatality rating, meaning that 2% of people who exhibit the symptoms have passed away. And a lot of them are older. And, uh, but, like, that doesn't make it okay. It doesn't make it any less safe. Uh, 2% of, like, America is still, like, hundreds of thousands of people. (laughs) And, and like, so, with that information, coupled with the fact that headlines are saying that, like, uh, World World Health Organization doctors and CDC experts are saying that, We need to consider what's going to happen when, not if, this starts spreading on a a larger scale. And with the knowledge that it is somewhat deadly and it is so widespread and and like actually going viral, it's hard to go into the world each day with the knowledge that this could be the day that I get infected and I've talked to a number of people around the office about how they are worried about what's going to happen. And you, you, you read other, these other headlines. I've got some Buzzfeed he- headlines, uh, here about like, uh, this, the, the panic culture that's, that's hitting, uh, certain cities like Seattle, Washington, where six people have died. uh, the grocery stores are completely empty. Like, people have made a run on the non-perishable supplies and the toilet paper for some reason. Uh, people are, are just, you know, like the same thing that happens every time there's a hurricane in the Gulf. People want to be prepared, so they make a run on the stores and they, they kind of overdo and they buy too much. Or the stores are not ready for people to make a run in the stores. And so they don't have the the inventory to replenish the surprise. Like, growing up in the South, I've seen this so many times. Hurricanes and, like, hard freezes. People would make a run to get bread, milk, water, jugs, you know, anything you would need in a hurricane situation. Or or a situation of, of that sort. And, uh... We're not even at the point where, like, that should be necessary. Uh, (laughs) The really frightening thing is that there's no system in place. Like, America doesn't really have, like, a thing on the books about what to do in this this scenario. And uh, we were working on it. Uh, The CDC was working on it up until a couple of months ago when their budget got completely... Slashed, And the the program for response to a, a large-scale uh, virus was just abolished. It was destroyed. It's gone. And so we still don't have a plan. But <laughs> what we do have is a uh, president who who's, who's, has said multiple times in multiple uh, locations that, uh, oh, it, this whole thing could blow over in April when the weather gets warmer... The virus will just die off naturally, which is it can be true in that the virus could slow down its spread when the weather gets warmer. Uh, it wouldn't die off completely. It would more accurately go sort of dormant. And then when the weather gets colder again, it would be back with a vengeance because people don't know they're carrying it. And if suddenly, like, the virus is in them and they're carrying it for all that time, it's just dormant, and, but then the weather gets cooler and the virus can move, suddenly a lot of more people are getting infected because people who didn't know they were carriers are infecting those who aren't. And so, like, while that is an okay sort of thing to happen, as in, like, it going dormant in the summer months would be immediately good news... The long-term is less than good. Like, we need a vaccine. We need a way to understand what this virus is and does. And we need a way to determine the long-term effects of the virus. Because right now, all we have are the symptoms. do not They don't seem so bad. It's like a bad cold or flu-like symptoms or just trouble breathing. But that can be mitigated and helped. What we don't know yet is what it does in the long term. Uh, there was a successful double lung transplant done in China for a coronavirus patient. That that has a lot of people wondering: What is the effect of the coronavirus on the lungs? Like, is this like a a, a TB situation where like it leaves a bunch of scars and like the lung is for, like forever marred by having this virus? Like that, there is so much that we don't understand about the coronavirus that it's it's it makes it hard to go in public and talk to people or just try to go about our normal lives because there's like this underlying fear that you could get the virus. And on top of that is the social-economical ramifications. <laughs> That's probably the smartest phrase I've said on the podcast ever but because america has no infrastructure for this kind of thing in place there's no security for people who get the virus and have to miss work uh, a lot of people are hourly with no sick leave and if they get the virus and they have to self quarantine for 2 weeks as is like the recommended the recommended thing there there's nothing in place to help those people you know pay their bills. I, I don't know if disabil- disability pay goes toward that like long term or short term, what have you that the this is uncharted territory for America because we haven't been hit by a rampant spreading virus in a very, very long time. like the flu goes around every year, but people go to work sick and they spread the flu and people die of the flu more so than the coronavirus actually. Um, but it just doesn't get a lot of uh uh press because it happens literally every year um I got the flu last year from an airplane like there there's just it just kind of happens but if what happens is we get to a point that we have to quarantine ourselves, there's nothing in place for the people who can can't afford to have like an emergency fund they can't afford to have any savings and their checking accounts or savings account. And the sad thing is the bills won't stop. Like electricity, rent, all this stuff doesn't stop. Not for the sake of and, and you know the virus or whatever. And so there a lot of people might find themselves in a very difficult position where they have to make a call. A call to go into work knowing they have the virus and they are sick and they're in fact spreading it. Or a call to miss out on all those payments and basically have their lives ruined, and, and that call is not that hard to make. You, you got to survive. You got to keep living as long as you can. You, you can. They have no other recourse because there's nothing in place to help them. This basically affects the entire middle class who aren't fortunate enough to be able to have an emergency fund or save more than, you know, $4,000 in the bank or whatever. That's just a statistic that I see in headlines often. I don't know what that's endemic of. So what do you do? I mean, that's the thing. You can't do anything. The virus is just the virus. It's going to keep spreading. It's going to keep doing what it does. That's what it does. It We would need wide-sweeping regulations and programs set forth at the, you know, House and Senate levels to be able to provide funds for these people to survive. It could be like a FEMA thing, only I haven't had any sort of faith in FEMA since Hurricane Katrina. I get the idea... Of a small government not placing regulations on a business. I don't see the benefit of a government so small it can't help its people in a time of need. I don't see the benefit of a government that can't help people when they need help. That doesn't make any sense to me. And so if you're thinking that these people is their fault or whatever. No, it's just the economy. It's just the way that our economy works... That it's designed so that the people at the bottom don't have enough to survive paycheck to paycheck. And the people at the top have more money than everyone else in the world. It's the system's fault. It's not any individual's fault. People have three jobs and they're still barely making it. It's not a work ethic thing. And this is becoming a slight bit economic or political But the coronavirus or a situation of this nature really puts into perspective how much the system affects people and how much the system can really be bad when things don't go absolutely great. I saw a tweet about the coronavirus that read something to the effect of BOSS Oh, you're sick. Please don't come into work. Me. Oh, are you going to pay me when I'm out? Boss. Absolutely not. You're not working. Uh, me. Well, I guess I'll come to work and get everybody sick. And then your business shuts down because nobody's healthy enough to work it. And you don't make any money anyway. Your call. Like, it. it would be infinitely cheaper in some regards for people to... For bosses or employers to pay... For their sick workers. Rather than. Risk of the entire workforce. And so like. The business can't run. Like that just. That's just. That's just risk analysis. I was talking to. An hourly worker. at At my job today. And she was saying how it sucks. That she doesn't have any sick time. If she's sick. She can call in sick. But she doesn't get paid for that. And that is insane. That doesn't make any sense to me because it's not as though she, I mean, it's, this is a job, this is a, a 40 hour a week job where she, because she's hourly for some reason, for reasons that make no sense to me, she doesn't get any sick time. That doesn't make any sense. Like if you work 40 hours a week or more, you, you should get sick time. That's another thing, but that's crazy. All right, well, let's just take a look at the uh, other end of our our coronavirus segment. I'm going to take a pause to try to finish this uh, Juicy IPA. Cool. that aftertaste will get you. Uh, I was tired of drinking that, so I chugged the last 25% of that beer. And speaking of percents, let's take a look. We are at 21% reporting... Uh, for the state of Texas at 7.48 p.m. 21% of Texas is reporting uh, Bernie Sanders is still in the lead. Well, this is interesting. Now uh, The numbers for the rest of everybody. Uh, so Bernie Sanders is at 28.8%. Joe Biden is at 22.3%. Michael Bloomberg is at 18.6%. And Elizabeth Warren is at 13.9%. Again, a huge shift in numbers that makes no sense to me. And I don't get why we would report results before the end of getting them all here. Like, that, that, that's crazy to me that this is how we do it. I get doing it state by state, I guess. But only when all of the votes for that state are collected, like on a general election but this weird percent reporting thing it doesn't it doesn't help because <laughs> it, it, it the numbers are changing so much that it's just like wait until you get I don't know 95% before you start reporting and only if there's a clear winner like that's that's what I don't understand uh, as far as everybody else, it looks like Joe Biden is sweeping a... Oh, he's now leading in Maine for some reason. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's like Joe Biden's leading everywhere else. I don't, I don't know what to say. Oh, Jesus. Oh, well, this is bad news. I Because of the way I'm doing this with the uh, frequent updates, now would be the time to talk about election results. But I've been doing that all night throughout the entire recording. So I guess we'll do some BuzzFeed quizzes uh, live on air and see where that takes us. Um, I did not make a note when I started recording, so I don't know how long it's been. Uh, And that's not even like a usually John does that, because usually neither of us does that, because we're just bad at our jobs. And this isn't even our job, it's more of a hobby. Uh, But we fail a lot to remember when exactly we started recording. Uh, But on that note... I just opened up a Shiner Cosmos Reserve. Every drop of Shiner is brewed in Shiner. That that just says that at the top. This says, Prost to the original brewmaster of Shiner. Um, And the back of the beer says, Cosmos Sputzel knew how to brew great beer. Born in Bavaria, Cosmos, born in Bavaria, Cosmos's mastery of German brewing carried him as far as Egypt before he f- found his way to the small Texas town of Shiner. Our proud brewery still carries his name and commitment to excellence in brewing. This full-flavored hop-jacked lager is every bit as unique as the man himself. And our way of saluting the brewmaster who started it all There's a verb missing in that sentence. And then uh, it just says, Prost. And that's it. Uh, there's some information about where I could redeem this bottle for five cents or ten cents. Interesting. Uh, so it's a whatever pop jacked fueled lager. Uh, let's take a sip. That is pretty bland. Yeah, that has no taste at all. Other than like a weird bready texture at the end. Huh. Whatever. <laughs> uh, there's a story behind the six pack of Shiner. Uh, so for the past week, I have been watching our cat sitting uh, John's cat and as payment or as a thank you, what have you, pro bono, oh no, no, no. Uh, he bought me a six-pack of this this Schneider beer, I, I guess, because it was right next to the Ruby Redbird that my wife so much loves. We also got a six-pack of that. And uh, so thank you to John for supplying the six-pack. And, uh, yeah. So this is where I would talk about the election results, but I've been doing that all night, and so I don't really know what to do here. I think it's weird. here's what I'll say about the election uh, the this primary so far it, it so starting in Iowa and the two other after that, it seemed like every time we had a primary election, somebody dropped out. and that seems kind of weird because like if you're going to be in this for the long haul. Why would you drop out at the first sign of results? I guess maybe it's like a wake up call. Uh, you can see just how little you're actually like gaining ground. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems it seems interesting to me that so many people have started to drop out right before Super Tuesday, and not only did they drop out, but they they threw their support behind a, a candidate. That feels a little forced. I don't know. It feels a little like meddling by some people. I I don't know. It just doesn't seem right. My main question going into the uh, into the Super Tuesday, uh, in the light of all of these people who've dropped out right before Super Tuesday, is that uh, for all the people who voted early. Their votes now go to nothing. The candidate has dropped out. That's a, that's that seems dishonest. That seems bad. You know, at least wait until after Super Tuesday to drop out, unless you needed the the push. And I guess I guess there were enough Clawback and Buttigieg supporters that threw their weight behind Biden, and Biden needed that push. I, I'm not entirely sure why that happened but as a person who voted early if I had happened to vote for one of those people who dropped out it just seems like a, a non-victory a lose-lose situation you vote you got to vote early but the candidate that you voted for is no longer even running that's not democracy I guess I guess a true democracy is every you could, you could vote however you want even if you know you're throwing your vote away I guess that option is there and that's maybe why it's okay that this is happening. It just seems like in a time when we, the huge message behind voting is like, have your voice heard. There's another side to that, that, I I mean, having your voice heard is not simply somebody acknowledging like, I hear you're screaming. I hear, you're screaming at me. I hear it. I am hearing your voice. No, it's listening to the message too. Like actually listening. Uh, When my mom and sister used to fight, uh, a frequent line that my sister would throw at my mom is, you're hearing me, but you're not listening. As in, you're physically hearing the sound of my voice, but you're not listening to the words. If If we are serious about that message, about having your voice heard through the vehicle of voting, the understanding there needs to be that the vote needs to matter. It needs to count towards something. It needs to have been listened to. So the fact that like these people who early voted... And in Texas, you could early vote for a week. So that that, that could account for a lot of people over the course of a week. They cast their ballots, and they might have voted for people who dropped out days before Super Tuesday... And I don't think that's cool. I think if you're going to drop out of the race, do so after the big election, not before. Maybe there needs to be some type of uh, election reform where you can't drop out right before a big primary election. I don't know. That That's, you know, people who study that would need to weigh in on that. Because I, I feel like it affects something or it just, it it, it doesn't allow those vo- votes to actually be heard in the manner that we're uh, supporting. If that makes sense. I guess that's what I have to say about the election here at my number four point. I do <laughs> often when I don't know what to say, I just make a noise and I, I, I'm I, going to hear it listening back and it's going to sound like I'm getting progressively and progressively uh, less verbose and I'm just like... Res, re, uh, <laughs> I'm just reduced to these guttural noises like... Rah, rah, rah. But no, it's this weird reflex where if I don't know what I'm saying, I just make a noise to like fill the awkward gap um. We're about to get Colorado results in a minute. So I guess we'll hang on till then. And also Minnesota is going to be at 815 for some reason. Like, what the fuck? States rights or whatever? So, like, all the states get to pick when exactly their polls close? Which, look, I get. That's fine. I'm just fighting... Everything right now, as I have been for the last five years. (laughs) Uh, I guess we'll segue a little bit as I take one last look at these results and see nothing different quite yet. Uh, Let's uh, take some BuzzFeed quizzes. Why not? Um, So this is a quiz entitled, Make Your Dream Sandwich and and Will Reveal When You'll Meet Your Soulmate. Now, as a married man, I'd like to think I already met my soulmate uh but who am i to question the wisdom of a sandwich so it says first pick some bread oh this, so we got some pictures we got like a ciabatta bread we got like a a rye bread we got like a wheat loaf and we got like another wheat bread none of these breads look like a bread that i would use to make a sandwich for the record they look like bread that would be served at a restaurant in a basket with butter. But we're going to go with like the white. Chunky ciabatta bread. Oh. It's funny. When I mouse over the. Uh, <laughs> when I m- mouse over all the pictures of the bread. Like a description of the photo comes up. That's weird. But yeah. We're going to do the. Uh, the white ciabatta bread looking thing. Now it says pick a cheese. And we've got like an aged. Cheddar. Cheddar. We've got what looks like a bunch of different cheeses, to be honest. Like, it's like a cheese display with just a ton of different cheeses. We've got blue cheese, a wedge of blue cheese. And then the words, I'm not really a fan of cheese. Uh, So, and for the sake of variety, I'm going to go with the cheese display. Because it looks like a bunch of different cheeses. And like, why would I limit myself to one cheese? Now it says pick some meat. And for some reason, this is the first option with words underneath the pictures. Uh, We've got a turkey, which is literally like a Thanksgiving turkey. We've got a ham. We've got chicken, but it says fried chicken. And then uh, the words, I'm good, for all of you non-meat eaters. Uh, Out of these options, usually on on a sandwich... It'll be like a sliced chicken. That's not good. But the fact that they're showing fried chicken makes me want to pick it. Because I could go for a good fried chicken sandwich. So we're going to pick the chicken. Uh, Now we've got some uh, pick a vegetable. We got lettuce, onion, kale, or no vegetables for me. We're going to go lettuce. Would you like a tomato? 17, please. Yes. One or two is fine with me. No, thank you. 17 tomatoes on a sandwich. That's too many. Um, I would say one or two is fine depending on the size of the sandwich. Like if it's a bigger sandwich, I want two pieces of tomato kind of like overlapping a little side by side. So that they cover the whole girth of the meat. Uh, So one or two is fine with me. And want some sauce, mustard, ketchup, mayo... Now, here's the thing. I've put vegetables on this sandwich. And when you put vegetables on the sandwich, you don't put any sauce. That's my whole thing. Because I can't imagine a world where ketchup and lettuce taste good together. That doesn't make sense. Uh, Lettuce and tomato? Absolutely. But uh, lettuce and ketchup? Uh Uh-uh. No dice. So we're going to go no sauce on this one. Oh, now it says how big is the sandwich? Six inches, seven and a half inches, a foot or three feet. Now, this is a question that probably should have happened first, because this makes me think now we're making a subway sandwich, not like your your typical two slices of bread sandwich. Uh, this is more of like a po' boy or like a hero or a a submarine kind of sandwich, a hoagie. I think that's a term for it. I don't know. Um, I'm going to say six inches. I don't know. So six inches. Why not? Uh, do you want something to go with your sandwich? We got chips or a drink or a second sandwich or I'm good. Now, I'm going to go with a drink because uh, because I want no sauce. The sandwich might be a little dry. I don't know. They didn't have like a comeback sauce or like an aioli sauce, which would have been my like my go-to. Like a nice aioli sauce would be great, uh, but they didn't have that, so we got we gotta get we gotta go for the drink because our sandwich might be dry. We need something to wash it down. Uh, here are my results. I'm gonna meet my soulmate in 2022. Um, it says you're ready for love, but you still want to work on yourself a little bit first. By the time. 2022 rolls around. You'll be more than ready to give and receive love. So apologies uh, to my wife. Because apparently I need to work on myself before I'm ready to give and receive love. Thank you, BuzzFeed, for that expert opinion. Um, we've got more quizzes to fill the time. Here's one... That I'm going to fail. So I won't do it. It's a quote quiz. And I thought it would be more fun. Than it is. I thought it was going to be like. Finish the quote. But instead is who said the quote. And so we're not going to do that. It was about Mean Girls. Which is a great movie. I highly recommend you watch. And they're making another one. Which is weird. Uh, Tina Fey wrote Mean Girls. Huge hit. Lindsay Lohan, Rachel McAdams, uh, Amanda Siegfried, uh, other people are in it as well. (laughs) Um, And then they turned it into a Broadway musical, because why not? And I, I believe Tina Fey helped work on that too. And now they're taking the Broadway musical and turning it into a movie. And Tina Fey's helping with that too. So I just want to give a quick shout out to Tina Fey for getting three paychecks for the same job. Like three individual paychecks. For literally the same work. And I'm not saying that. You know. Obviously work went into each iteration. <laughs> like that. that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that you took one project. That you did. Years ago. And now you're getting another paycheck off of it. That's cool. And yeah it's going to be work to adapt. I'm not trying to discount that. But like it's cool. To just like, I mean, you really grow to like that that work uh, because you had the opportunity to work on it so many times. Plus, you're getting paid all those times for the same IP. That's just efficient. That's great. Good job, Tina Fey. Thirty Rock was really good, but has not aged well. All right. So now we're gonna take a quiz that I've been dying to take ever since I saw it because I I need to know. This quiz is entitled, uh, answer three questions and we will reveal which Olsen sister I am. So those of you who are not in the know, uh, there's Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen, the twins. And then there's Elizabeth Olsen, who is Scarlet Witch. And for this quiz to be won by me, we want to be, we want to be Elizabeth Olsen. We don't want to be Mary Kate or Ashley. We want Elizabeth. So that's what we're going to go for. That's the goal. That's the aim. We got three questions to nail it in. Here we go. Uh, the first one is pick a fabric. We've got like a gold ruffled fabric, uh, a dark blue fabric, a red, looks like a very itchy fabric, or like a multicolored, uh, that looks like a curtain to me. Uh, let's mouse over. It says, Pink, glue, pink blue green textile. Teal satin matte. Black textile. Okay, that's black. My eyes are just wrong. An old book cover texture. We're going to go with old book cover texture. Because uh, books are good. And now it's telling me to pick a coffee. And we got like a black coffee. With a cigarette. We've got a Starbucks. Looks like an iced coffee. We've got, like, some type of latte design. And we've got, like, an Oreo and a whipped cream frappuccino. Um, I don't drink coffee, is the thing about this. Um, we're gonna mouse over. Cup of coffee and lighted cigarette held high-handedly, is the name of that photo. Shallow focus photo of clear plastic Starbucks cup on sand. That's a good name for a photo. Cup coffee with milk frothed on brown tabletop. You know, classic. Chocolate cookie frappy. I'm going to go for the frappy uh, because um, I'm a child. And now it says, it's telling me to pick a city. New York, Los Angeles, Paris, or Milan. Where's Milan. Oh, no, sorry, that's not Milan, that's woman wearing red gown facing at Cathedral, and Paris' Eiffel Tower under blue sky during daytime. Los Angeles is actually called Black Vehicle on Road, and here's the thing, folks, I accidentally clicked on it. I accidentally clicked on Los Angeles, and I cannot change my vote, but the good news is that we got Elizabeth Olsen, we won the quiz. You love your alone time, but you also enjoy being with loved ones. You're creative and artsy and you have a brave and kind spirit. I don't know if that I don't know if that describes her at all, because I don't know her. I that just I don't know what to do with that. We won the quiz, absolutely. That is what we wanted to do. We wanted to win the quiz and we did. Because uh, we got the Elizabeth Olsen. But I don't know how to feel about that description. Because how does one want their alone time and also want to be with loved ones? I just want to be alone. Forever. (laughs) Alright, so now we're going to take another quiz. This is going to take a little while to find. I'm thinking... um, I'm going to take a sip. Man... Hope you guys don't mind listening to somebody drink. Uh, we're going to find... Uh, all right, here's here's a quiz. It says, how bad do you wish you were King Arthur? And uh, to win this quiz, it's got to be like all the way. We really wish we were King Arthur. We would do anything to be him. So we're going to take this quiz. We're going to see how bad we want to be. All right. When it comes to the subject of good kings who ruled Britain with justice and wisdom, would you rank King Arthur of Camelot in your top five kings? And we've got multiple choices. Uh, I would rank King Arthur as the best king. King Arthur is absolutely in my top five. Top ten for sure, but I wouldn't put him higher than number six. Or... Unfortunately, King Arthur is the only king I have ever heard of. So to me, he is the best king and the worst king. Now here's the thing. I don't know a lot of kings firsthand. So it's got to be the last one. He is the best worst king. And I think that's the name of a book. The Best and Worst King. And it's about King Arthur. So we're going with that one. Uh, Here are some things you might enjoy thinking about. Queen Guinevere, Arthur's Throne. Questing. Royal Subjects. A proclamation made by King Arthur. Is this the kind of stuff you're into? And we've got some choices. You definitely have my number. Just before you asked me this, I was thinking about King Arthur riding a horse to a quest. And guess what? In my imagination, I was King Arthur. Second choice. Daydreaming about King Arthur commanding a knight is one of my favorite pastimes, but sometimes I'm Arthur and sometimes I'm the knight. Confusing. Third choice. No, I am haunted by the thought of Queen Guinevere pointing at Arthur's throne and saying to me, Sit, King Arthur, if you are tired. Maybe some people enjoy that kind of idea, but it doesn't appeal to me, not in the slightest. And the last option, we're talking about King Arthur the King, right? He died died a while ago. I believe that's the main thing I know about him. You know, sometimes I'm Arthur and sometimes I'm the knight. I'm going to be honest. Sometimes I'm the knight. Sometimes I'm the knight, yeah. All right, so here comes uh, the third question, and we're almost done. Uh, the wizard Merlin points at the sword in the stone. It stuck really good in a rock. Be honest. Do you try snatching it out? And it says to be honest, so we're going to be honest here. We got four choices. I am confident I would tug it out in one swift yank. And then the people would say, looks like King Arthur showed up. This is presuming that I am indeed King Arthur when I start pulling, which is what I think you're going for. Right now, to my regret, I am not King Arthur. The second one. Even if I was not King Arthur, I would still give the sword a nice yank because that sounds like a good time. Everyone in Camelot would be lining up and cheering people on as they take their turn. It would be a memorable sword festival not to be missed. What would be really fun is if King Arthur was the guy behind me in line and pulled it out, and then I could say, good thing I loosened it for you, huh? And we'd have a good laugh about it. Third time. Let's say I did pull it out. My plan is to give the sword to the first guy on the street I run into and say, okay, you're King Arthur now, not me, Don't tell anyone I gave this to you, and you'll get to rule Britain with justice and wisdom. By the time anyone figures out the switch, I'd be long gone. And here's the fourth one. I have to do what this Merlin person says, or he might kill me. Wizards are very powerful, and they can make a sword go into whatever they want. First a stone. What's next? My head? No thank you. I'll play along. And here's the thing, I am deathly afraid of wizards. So we're going with number four, because I'm not playing no wizard games. Not no no not now, no no how. Alright, here's a fourth question, and trust me, we're, we're getting there. Tell me if this is true. Every time you see a car, the wheels remind you of the round table, which was Sir Lancelot's favorite furniture. Now, this may surprise you, but we have four choices. Uh, Sadly, yes, because every time I see a car, it reminds me that I am not King Arthur and never will be. My private name for a highway is Sorrow's Black Ribbon, because sorrow is the daily condition I feel when I'm not King Arthur. That usually only happens when I see buses and trucks with bigger wheels that are table-sized. I get exuberant when I see a bus because it reminds me that King Arthur owned the round table, and Lancelot got to sit there. Whether or not I am either of them, I am glad they sat at a table that is a circle. No, car wheels remind me of many round things, but never the round table. Cakes, rocks, the wheels of different cars, and hockey pucks. These are all things car wheels remind me of. When I see my own car, I shout, Those wheels are nothing like the round table, and I'm fairly confident I am right. The round round table is news to me, but I'm enjoying what I've learned so far. Here's the thing. I'm often sad. So, answer number one, here we go. All right, here's question number five, and uh, let uh, here, here's the thing we're almost done, So just hang in there. You're watching TV news, and they report that a murder happened. Is your first thought that this is some sort of crime the criminal Morgan Le Fay would commit? Morgan Le Fay was an evil witch. Let's go. Sometimes, other times, I think about one of King Arthur's other enemies, like Mordred, or how well hidden the Holy Grail is. Sometimes, other times I think about another murderer, like Billy the Kid, or John Wayne Gacy. Whether it's Morgan Le Fay or a more recent outlaw, both deserve heartfelt condemnation. Always. And then I immediately feel relief that the outlaw enchantress Morgan Le Fay is not my problem to solve. This falls under the purview of Arthur Pendragon, the fantastic king, who I honestly couldn't care less about. I think you are still asking me if I want to be King Arthur, which is a tough decision. Now here's the thing. That is a very tough decision. If you could choose to be King Arthur or not, I don't know what I would pick. So I, I don't know. But I often think about John Wayne Gacy, so we're going with that one. Alright, here's question number six, and here's the thing. We're almost done. The nation's top scientists are holding a press conference to announce that King Arthur is a myth who never existed and that Merlin was just an elderly bear that people mistook for a wizard. What's your reaction? Before you panic, don't worry. This is all hypothetical. Uh, here we go. Here are the answers. You better hope there isn't a wood chipper in my house, because I would jump into it feet first. A world where Mr. Pendragon didn't used to rule Britain with justice and wisdom is just a round ball of garbage. As long as the subject is King Arthur existing or not existing, I'm interested in hearing what these scientists have to say. Space and computers are also subjects that interest me if they want to discuss those too. Please tell me it's legal to kiss scientists, because that's exactly what I'd do. I would finally be free of this curse of perhaps being King Arthur. Then I would burst into tears, because King Arthur not existing would be an immense tragedy for Britain. Or, I would ask in the pros and cons of being King Arthur. I gotta tell you, this is the hardest question yet, but I like to be informed And I think space and computers are what King Arthur is curious about right now, so we're clicking on that one. Alright, here's here's question number seven, and, and just listen, we're almost done. For the sake of argument, pretend you're King Arthur. You lead the army of Camelot to the final battle, and Mordred slays you in a single combat. That all good? Here are the answers. Perfect. That's the way it's supposed to go. Fine by me. No, that would be unacceptable. I refuse to be King Arthur when I die. I would literally prefer to be anyone else. If I am King Arthur, then I would be King Arthur. But otherwise, I'm not sure. This is, this is insane. I don't know what to pick. Um, I'm going to go with the, uh, the, the, if it be, then it be. So if I'm King Arthur, then I would be King Arthur, but you got to tell me that. And, uh, here's the thing. Here's question number eight. And the thing about question number eight is that it's the last one. So, uh, this is it. All right, let's lay it all on the table. Imagine you wake up tomorrow morning and you're in King Arthur's bed in Camelot. You head over to the mirror to check, and sure enough, you're King Arthur now. Are you pretty stoked? Answers. Yes, very stoked. Every night I go to bed praying for the scenario you describe, but sadly, I know it's not possible. People simply don't wake up as King Arthur, and that is my life's tragedy. Now that you mention it, waking up as King Arthur would be a wonderful start to my day. I wouldn't make a huge deal out of it, but I'd be pretty pleased, yes. Listen, I would march straight to Merlin and order him to brew up a potion to switch me back. Give me a few days as King Arthur, and I'll let you know how it goes. Now, we've been all over the map of this, this quiz. Uh, I think I'd be pretty pleased, because like, being a king, wouldn't have to go to work. So we're picking that one, and now we're going to click the button that says Get Results... Uh, so the results are you wish to be King Arthur somewhat badly. If it came down to it, you wouldn't say no to being King Arthur, and that's a pretty smart decision. Ruling Camelot and finding the Holy Grail sounds like good fun, and you'd probably be good at it. Then again, you wouldn't mind being someone other than King Arthur, like Sir Lancelot or yourself. And, uh, yeah. That's uh That was a quiz from Clickhole (laughs) That wasn't from BuzzFeed at all, it was from Clickhole. I made a trick. I tricked you all. And I think that's gonna wrap up the content portion. We are gonna take one last stop into primary election result bill because something stupid has happened. And that stupid thing is, I believe earlier I told you 21% of Texas precincts were reporting. Now it's saying only 4% of Texas precincts are reporting. And the numbers are basically the same? Actually, uh, I, I strike that. Elizabeth Warren is 2 more percent than she did before. She's at 132 but all the other numbers are the same. But it says only 4% now, whereas before, it said 21% was reporting. I don't know what to make of that. Colorado, 17, 17% is reporting. And uh, it's saying Bernie Sanders won. So uh, that that's a thing. That's a thing that's happening. Now it says 19% reporting. I don't know what's happening. Uh, here's the thing about zero credits. I hope this isn't your first news source. By the time this episode comes out, all of the results will be out, and you could just like Google it. Um this is more of like a a snapshot of what it's like to be living in Texas during this time, trying to see who's gonna win the Texas Democratic uh primary election. And it's a scary time because we're surrounded by people who I don't know. I don't know these people. I don't know these people in Texas. There's like four huge cities in Texas, and then there's a huge amount of country. Like, and the country outnumbers the cities a billion to one. And it seems like a little backwards that all the people live in the cities, but the country gets to determine uh, the majority of the decisions. It's weird. Texas is a weird state, and I live in it, and we're here to stay. Uh, in other news, Julian Castro has 0.8% in Texas. So let that sink in. But I think that's going to do it for this lesson zero. Uh, I have been talking for over an hour straight, and my voice is pretty okay, to be honest. But I'm out of things. Like, that was the entire list. If you remember. At the beginning of this episode, I said I was going to talk about five things. Uh, The billboard, the coronavirus, the election results, and do some BuzzFeed quizzes. And I've done them. I've done them all. And so, in true speech fashion, I've now recapped what I talked about in the order in which that I talked about them. And uh, now there's nothing less to do but to leave you with a call to action, as all good speeches must end with. So here's my call to action for you. If you want to get in touch with us, fucking do it. There's nothing stopping you. We are all over the goddamn place. You can get at us on Twitter.com. At ZCPCWHJ. That is, that's our handle. ZCPCWHJ, you type that in anywhere on Twitter, we pop up. That's the deal. That's the deal. I know it's not a word. We thought it would be funny. Turns out maybe people can't find us. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know anything about no marketing. Uh, ZCPCWHJ, I said it three times because we don't have John to do the joke part. Uh, you can send us an email at zero credits is a podcast at gmail.com. Really hard to type. Extremely hard to type. Make sure you type that correctly. Send us an email sometime. We'll respond. We are on Facebook. If you search for zero credits podcast in the Facebook search bar, you'll find us whatever. Uh, we're on Spotify. You have to go to the podcast section of Spotify. Type in zero credit, open parenthesis, S close parenthesis, you will find us. And that's actually where we get a, of the majority of our listens, which is pretty neat. We're also on Apple Podcast. Uh, if you could do us a huge favor, go to Apple Podcast, leave a review. If you've already done so, leave another review. It's been a couple of years. Have we improved? Have we gotten worse? We want to know. Review us on Apple Podcast, and we will be forever grateful for you and yours. And last but not least, the most important thing you can do is just tell a friend to listen to the podcast. I know people out there have asked us, hey, we make a trailer. I want to show how good you are, but I don't know where to start. Tell people to just listen to the most recent episode, to be honest. It's like the first the first 10 minutes of the most recent episode. I mean, we also have some clips on Twitter. We've got some Twitter clips, some tweet clips. If you will, uh, just tell tell people about us. Tell people that we are too uneducated. No, that's not right. We are too unexperts talking about things that are happening right now in culture, including movies, television, and politics, sometimes, mostly video games, sometimes anime. And uh, we talk about whatever's happening right now, whatever is big right this second. That's what we're covering. We're the first feet on the ground a week later. We are the dark sentinels of the night, guarding the things that we think are important, which is the cultural consciousness of the Western nations. I don't know why it's Western nations, just because we don't have, like, a a finger on the pulse of the rest of the world. We live in America, and America's very America-centric, and that's just the way it is. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. I'm very sorry. I apologize. And from everyone here at the Less Than Zero studio, which is just the guest room of my apartment, we want to wish you, and by we, I mean it's really just me, a happy week. And that's going to do it for me. Uh, um, There's nothing left to do but to say goodbye, so goodbye. I did. And you know, I brought three beers, but I only drank like one and three fourths. Oh, that's not good. I'll have to finish this right now on air. Jesus Christ, this is hard. All right. (laughs) I have now finished two beers on air.